My name is Wes. I'm the pastor here at Dunbar Heights, and uh, so glad to be with you as well. See your faces. I will give a, an apology, which you'll only get later on. For those of you who are trying to watch online, we could not get our Facebook live feed going this morning. So if you're watching this now, sorry. Um, really did try to get that up and going, and thank you, Facebook, for updating your app last minute so I could no longer find <laughs> where the published live thing is. I'm old. I'm, I'm just going to acknowledge it. We're going to do what we always do each Sunday now. We're going to look at a passage from God's Word. We'll talk about what it means and why it matters and what we should do about it and continue on in this fall series, uh, Next Stop, uh, going through our, our vision statement together. So if you've got a Bible with you, a Bible app, whatever it is, could you turn today to 1 Corinthians 13? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting at verse 1. And if and when you found that, if you're able, if you'd be willing to stand with me for the reading of God's Word, let's read together uh, this passage, which <clears throat> may be familiar to you. Apostle Paul writes these words, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or does not, and does not keep a record of wrongs. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for, as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. And so now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. That's God's word. You may be seated. Let me give us, I uh, just want to quickly pray for us once more and then we'll dive into this. Uh, Spirit of God, would you illumine your word to us, open it up in incredible ways, in new ways, with a passage that's perhaps familiar to some of us um, still. God, open this up to us and reveal what you want to reveal to us today through this. You've told us, you've promised that when you send out your word, it does not return to you a void. It does accomplish the purpose for which you've sent it. That's no ability of mine, God. That's all the power of your word. So would you accomplish that purpose in each one of us today? As I always ask now, eternal God, would you move and govern my tongue to speak your truth? Amen. Amen. Genuine, real, actual, true, no filter, no cap, being exactly as appears or as claimed. These are, among many, all synonyms or definitions of the word actual, of the word authentic, excuse me. Now, authentic, 
That is a word that we use all the time, and we use it to differentiate between all kinds of different things in our lives, uh, perhaps the difference between authentic, traditional Mexican cuisine and Taco Bell with food, different, uh, uh, name brands versus knockoffs with clothing, what's authentic and what's not. But when it comes to differentiating between people, authentic means, or at least it's supposed to mean, someone, a person who is all those things that I just mentioned a second ago, genuine, real, being exactly as appears or as claimed. And there's no question, man, being authentic, it, it, that's all the rage today. Uh, that, that's, you hear all about this all around our world. This is also one of the cardinal virtues of the millennial and Gen Z generations. Uh, all of us today, we, we want uh, everything from our corporations to our relationships to our baristas to be uh, open and transparent as possible. And we want to be free to discover and express our own true authentic selves as well. But my guess is that most of you would still agree that as good as being authentic is, there's still some clarity, some provisos, some qualifiers that we want to add on to that um, when it comes to being authentic. I mean, I, I remember having some of the most real, authentic conversations ever in my life with my daughters when they were five and six years old. I mean, at that time, without any societal norms kind of learned, zero filter whatsoever, I had many Incredibly, almost scarily authentic conversations with them about how I don't want to share any of my toys. Forget it. I like grandma and grandpa's house way better than ours. Can we live here? Um, telling our, the, the, the food that the dinner hosts had just served, telling them how it was yucky. Um, all kinds of very authentic, genuine things, but, but hopefully you get the point. I mean, yeah, being authentic is good, but not always because... Being authentic like that might be cute or funny when you're five or six, but it's no longer cute or funny at all when you're 26 or 56 or 97. Why? Well, because it's authenticity without accountability. It's, it's genuineness that it has no concern for anyone but yourself. And I bring it up as we continue in this fall teaching series this morning entitled Next Stop. We've been going through our new vision statement as a church. This is kind of, we said, the, the marquee on the bus or the subway train that is indicating where it is we feel, that the destination we feel God is calling us to as a church over the next three to five years. I bring it up because after looking at the heart of our vision, as well as the first two markers that are going to indicate that we are moving in that direction, the next marker that I want to unpack for us today that we're looking at is authentic community. Authentic community, which sounds so good, doesn't it? Oh, authentic community, I love that. It's so current. Whew. Resonates so much with where we're at right now in this cultural moment where authenticity and being part of community are such highly valued things. And, and, and the truth is, actually, I think this would have resonated with the, the church that the Apostle Paul is writing to here in Corinth as well. And yet, as Tim Keller rightly notes, everyone loves the idea of authentic community, deep relationships, until we learn what's required in order to have them. Mention accountability and commitment, he writes, and suddenly everyone runs the other way. And as you read through Paul's uh, whole letter here, 1 Corinthians in general, as well as what he writes here in particular in chapter 13, it seems this church still had a lot to learn 
about what was required in order to be part of a truly authentic community together as well. And I know last week uh, we used a positive example from John 4 as we learned about the marker of strength in relationships. Today, I hope we can use a negative example, study a negative example of a, of a community that failed to be authentic in order to learn both the, the pitfalls as well as the remedies to authentic community ourselves with the hope that we would see this next marker in our vision truly experienced and enjoyed amongst us. In order to help us learn that from this passage, all I want to do is, is talk to you today about love and authenticity, and then growing up into love. Just those two things, love and authenticity, and growing up into love. So if you close your Bibles, your Bible app, if you still have that, would you open it to this passage? Follow along with me as we go through this and continue to work to define and describe in the clearest way possible where it is we're headed as a church and then also to better understand each of these markers that are going to help us know whether we're moving in the right direction. Okay, so let's look first of all at love and authenticity. Love and authenticity. So, if you grew up in church or, or you have been looking into the Bible for any kind of length of time, you probably already know 1 Corinthians 13, man, that's like the, the go-to passage on love, right? You, you hear this read all the time at weddings, it shows up on, on anniversary cards, maybe super spiritual Dairy Queen ice cream cakes at your anniversary, whatever. You see it all the time talking about love, but the question perhaps already on your minds as we talk about this is, right, okay, I, I, I knew that, or that's great, but I thought the next marker we were talking about was authentic community. Why are, you, why are we reading a passage about love? Great question. Great question. And, and, and in response, what I'd like to suggest to you is that talking about authentic community and talking about a loving community is ultimately talking about one and the same thing. Or, or at least that love and authenticity are so just intertwined, so inextricably linked that, that it's nearly impossible to see where one ends and the other begins. They just go together like that. To understand this, you only need to think about any true relationship or community that you've ever been a part of before or wanted to be a part of. For in almost every case, don't you see greater depths of love, greater depths of friendship and community growing as you get to know that person or those people more and more for who they truly are? I think the opposite is also true. Uh, um, our, our, the depth of love and friendship and community is also blocked. It's, it's limited and reduced to the level that we hide or conceal our true selves from one another. And yet, along with the solution, therein lies the unavoidable problem for basically every single person that's ever lived. Because as Pastor and author Frederick Buechner once said so simply and powerfully, being known and deeply and authentically for who we truly are, that is simultaneously both our greatest desire and our greatest fear. Why? Well, because our fear is that if anybody truly knew who we were, they wouldn't love us. They wouldn't accept us anymore. They, they wouldn't want to be around us if they knew everything about me. And as a result, the way forward that many people choose is just to never be authentic, never share their true selves with anyone, trading in, very, very tragically, trading in any hope of being deeply loved rather than ever risk being deeply known by anyone ever again. 
because you only need to experience rejection once in order to know that that fear is, is a legit fear. It does happen. There, there are people that at times they'll, they'll hear what's true, will share something deep and true about us, and they'll be like, no, I, don't, I, can't, I can't deal with that. It's too much. But the kind of authentic community that I want to imagine with you together this morning, that, that would you risk dreaming about with me, and that we believe God is desiring to create amongst us in this church is the kind of community where we are both deeply known and loved as a church. The kind of place where we can be real and genuine and transparent with one another. We can, we can share our burdens and our struggles, our successes, our, our doubts, our failures and inadequacies. Any of these things, we can share them and be real about them, expose them to one another, and never fear that uh, we, we're going to lose community as a result of it. That's what I'd love you to dream about with me as we talk about this this morning. Because maybe that sounds impossible to you. Maybe that sounds like too good to be true. You're like, man, I've been in church a while. That, that's, that's not possible. And yet, although I have no doubt, no, we're not going to do this perfectly. And we're not going to get to some level without investment and, and work and trust. I believe this kind of authentic community is absolutely possible because of the kind of love that formed us into a community to begin with. A love that Paul describes for us here in our passage, beginning at verse 4. A love that is patient and kind. A love that does not envy or boast or is arrogant. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. It's not resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing. It bears all things, hopes all things, believes all things, endures all things. A love that never fails. A love like that. No, 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 no. Like, Every time I read that, that description of love, I don't know if it's the same for you, but I'm always caught by its beauty as well as its otherness, like its complete otherworldliness, really, when I read about that description that Paul gives in verses 4 through 7 there. And we know it's not love of this world because, as many commentators pointed out, you can substitute in Jesus' name for love at any one of the points, and it works. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus is on and on and on. But it, it immediately fails the minute you try to put your own name in. Wesley is patient and... Nope. Nope, already failed. I can't even get past the first word. So it, it's, it's an other kind of love. It's completely other from us. But then just c c continue to follow through this crazy thought with me. Think about it. How does a community form to begin with? What, what makes a community? Well, I think at a base level we could say... If your home or your apartment or basement suite is located in this area, we say you're part of the Dunbar community. Even if you don't know any one of your neighbors, we say you're part of the Dunbar community. So that's a base level. And then next level we'd say beyond that is having shared interests, hobbies, uh, musical preferences. Deeper than that are communities formed around shared beliefs, political ideologies, or common goal. But one of the deepest levels... Communities are formed around, I believe, is, a, is with a shared, powerful experience that forms a deep, lifelong connection between two people or a group of people. Think of soldiers who fought together in a, in a war. Think of uh, those who work in uh, EMS, uh, police, fire, ambulance, and stuff, and are putting their, their lives in each other's hands. They go through these powerfully bonding experiences that, that, that form them together with this tight-knit community that's like, Nothing is breaking into this. this. This is set. Nothing can pull this apart. But do you see it already? 
This is the exact experience of everyone who's ever been made a child of God through faith in Jesus. That, that's your experience as well. And, and, and forget about, I'm not talking about praying a prayer or, or signing a card or walking forward at an altar call. You were, at one time, in a life and death struggle with sin and death and the devil. You, you were a prisoner of war, captured in the enemy's camp, and Jesus broke through enemy lines, rescued you, and brought you back to safety. That, that was your experience, as, as Paul describes in, in, uh, elsewhere in Ephesians 2. He says it this way, You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. That is, that is the powerful shared experience of Jesus, beautiful, unimaginable love that you have in common with and that uh, this, this has formed you into a community with every other follower of Jesus in, in this church as well as the church around the world. And what makes it all the more beautiful, all the more unimaginable, is that the community of faith that we are a part of was brought together in the most authentic way possible. That is, for everyone that Jesus set that love on that Paul describes in our passage today were those, as Paul says there in the second half of verse 12, those who were already fully known by him. Fully known. Which means, listen, Jesus didn't set his love on the Facebook, Instagram version of you that you present to the rest of the world. He didn't set his love on the presentable parts of you that you're comfortable sharing with other people. He, he, he saw everything. You were fully known by him. He saw every sin, every weakness, every failure that you'd be devastated to let anyone else ever see and still didn't turn away. Do you get it? He, he wasn't waiting for you at that time to clean yourself up enough to set his love on you. And once you have his love, once you're a part of that community of his beloved children called the church, he's also not waiting on that next failure of yours in order to remove it. This isn't some Grey's Anatomy, this is us kind of TV show where just he's, he's waiting for some new thing to come to light where all of a sudden it's like, actually, now I'm out. I didn't see that coming, so now... Sorry, now you're out of the community. It's not like that. He's seen your entire story from beginning to end, and he still bears all things, believes all things, endures all things in order to keep you securely inside community. Aren't you glad about that? Which means, first of all, if you've put your faith in Jesus, if you've entered into community with him, you're involved in the most authentic relationship possible. Because in him, you are fully known right down to the most minute, intimate detail and also fully loved. It means Jesus is both the divine fulfillment of your greatest longing to be deeply known and is also the greatest divine comfort to your greatest fear of being deeply known. He's both. But what it also means, if, if, if all of that is true, 
is that the church then ought to be the most loving, authentic community the world has ever seen, right? We, we, we ought to be the, the, the place that people look to as the kind of pinnacle, the example that they should look to of what real, true, authentic community should be like. Are we? Is it? You ask the average person today, when you think about true, deep, authentic community, what's the first word to come to mind? Is it the, is it the church? Do people say that? No, it isn't. We, we aren't. And what I want to do for the last little bit of our time together in this passage is talk about some of the reasons about why we aren't, why the church is not known as that authentic community, and learn together about growing up into love. Growing up into love. And, and this whole idea of maturing, growing up into a deeper faith, a deeper understanding, as well as practice of the love of God in Jesus that brought us into community with Him, that's, that's a common theme that you see throughout the Scriptures. God is constantly wanting us to, to grow and, and build up and, and mature in our faith, and, and you see that throughout Paul's letters as well. For instance, if you look a little further in Ephesians 4, where we read from this morning, Paul calls the church there to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. Going on to, to tell this church they're no longer to be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine and human cunning and deceitful schemes. Where you see uh, Paul talking about this in our passage today is in verse 11. Look there with me. Paul says this, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. I, I moved on from that place. I didn't just stay stuck there. Going on to talk about, uh, previously there, he's he's talking about our our sight of things, our our understanding of things presently is is limited and finite and and needs to to mature, needs to be grown. And where Paul sees this this immature, finite way of seeing and doing things in this church is what we read back in verses 1 to 3. Look look back with me there to the beginning of this passage for a second. Just to remind you, this is where Paul is talking about Uh, If I speak in tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I'm a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. This is where Paul sees the need for growing up, the need for maturity to grow into that authentic, true relationship in the church for the reality is 1 Corinthians 13, and I, and I hesitate to mention this because I don't want to like wreck 1 Corinthians 13 for anyone, but where 1 Corinthians 13 is placed is immediately in the center of Paul's teaching on spiritual gifts. And we don't have time to do a whole treatise about spiritual gifts, but we can say at least when Paul is teaching about spiritual gifts, they are always given in order to serve the church in order to serve others. They're never given in order to just benefit and gain one person alone, which means more than being some kind of musings about love that Paul just randomly wants to share with people, like, yeah, I just wanted to tell you, you know what love is like? It's not Paul doing that, that TikTok where, have you ever been in love before? Do you want me to describe it to you? This is not what he's doing here. What Paul is doing in 1 Corinthians 13 is actually, he's rebuking this congregation. He's correcting the church for their inauthentic, immature practice of living out their faith, as well as everything that he's been teaching them about spiritual gifts. Now, pause, because that that doesn't mean for a second that all the true things 
that we talk about love when we preach this passage and teach it, that, that that's not also true, that it's not teaching us true things about love and what it looks like and, and expressed through Jesus. I mean, I used this exact passage a few weeks ago when I was officiating Jordan and Talia's wedding out here in the woods. But the point, my point to them and my point to you today is that what we read in that description about love in verses 4 through 7 is not a checklist. Just like, if you can just live love like this, then, then you'll have perfect, great relationships. Go ahead, try it. See how it works out for you. As we said, most of us can't get past the first one. What it is, is an expression of love that we have experienced in Jesus and that we then seek to copy. We seek to, to live out of as those who have experienced that perfect kind of love from Jesus ourselves. The problem for this church in Corinth here, and just to use the language of the marker that we're talking about this morning, is that they had an immature understanding of what it meant to be an authentic community. They, they saw all these things taking place in their church. They saw gifts of tongues. They saw prophetic gifts. They saw miraculous things happening, people being raised to life. They were giving in these sacrificial ways. And as a result, because they saw that stuff happening, they imagined that it didn't matter to God if they carried out those things without love. That is, if they did them inauthentically and only in service, really, ultimately of themselves. Put it another way, they were being authentic in the same way my daughters were authentic when they were six years old. Just being like, real, like, hey, well, this is, this is true. I mean, good stuff's happening, so it's, it's great. And yet what Paul is desperate for them to see is that any of these gifts carried out in a church in this childish, inauthentic way, it, it completely removes them of all their power and purpose. Look again at the, these descriptions in verses 1 through 3. All these things happening, he says, none of it matters. None of it accomplishes anything if it doesn't have love. Even giving everything you have, even to the point of giving your own life, it's meaningless if it's not accompanied with love or done in love. What they needed to learn was to put away childish understanding of community and service and worship that wants to pretend that God is indifferent to the motivation of our hearts as long as we're performing the right action. As long as we're going through the right motions, God doesn't care about the motivation of why we're doing it. Read all through the Bible. You'll see again and again, God is at least as concerned, if not more concerned, about why we're doing things than what we're doing. Why you're doing it is infinitely more important, actually. And I know, I mean, a lot of us are on social media or we just live in communities around us and we probably all know or can think of at least one person in our lives that has that same kind of immature understanding of love and authenticity in a really obvious way that they demonstrate now at whatever adult age they are that kind of childish authenticity that just says whatever it wants these are the kind of people who post things on social media about like listen well this is my truth for me uh, this, is, this is the way I see it. People who, who feel like they can just be, they can say whatever they want because being their authentic selves mean they can treat people however they want without accountability. I'm, being, I'm just being my authentic self. I think we all know some extreme examples of people like that and we know nobody wants to be part of an authentic community like that. And yet, the problem is to one degree or another, we all actually have that same immature mindset and need God's help. We need the help of community around us to recognize every place where we're doing that. 
every place where that inauthentic mindset still shows up, to, to grow up in our understanding, to give up those childish ways so that as we worship, as we give, as we love, as we serve one another and the city and the world around us, those actions won't be robbed of their purpose and power. And we can at last be a truly authentic community that makes the world around us sit up, put down their iPhones for just a minute and take notice and be like, what's going on there? What, why would they be like that? Why would they act that way? A community where they seem to be like they, they, they're real, they're open, they're transparent, and yet they're not pushed out. They're still known and loved. A community that is as welcoming, beautiful, and other-centered as the love of Jesus that formed us. So that, God willing, as they see that, they'll, they'll be drawn to want to come and be a part of that same community themselves. That's the hope. That's the hope of what we're aiming for in this next part of our vision statement, authentic community. First, that we would benefit ourselves from, from just knowing and being more deeply known and loved and formed, but also, yeah, that that would be a demonstration to the outside world of what this authentic community was meant to be based on the kind of love that formed us. And that people would be like, I don't know much about that, but I want to know more. In John 13, Jesus tells his disciples, the, the kind of community of guys that he gathered around himself to, to train and teach and love, he told them these simple words as he was preparing them for life and ministry without his physical presence anymore. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. What is it? How, how are people going to know that we are Jesus' disciples? What is it? Let me hear you. Love. If you have a love for one another, you'll be known as my disciples. More than any of our acts of charity, generous giving, more than powerful miracles, seeing people healed, seeing people freed and, and set, set free out of, uh, of prison, uh, holding, rather than just, just known for holding all the right doctrines, or even ha having profound acts of self-giving to the point of giving our lives, what Jesus is saying is the same thing that Paul was saying to this church from our passage today, and it's what God's Word is saying to us today. Love is the thing that formed us as a community of faith. And love is also to be the defining characteristic by which we are known to the world around us. Are we? Are you? Am I known that way? But man, listen, we, we've seen the powerful, life-changing benefits of the radically authentic love of God in Jesus in our own lives. We've seen what it can do in us. Just imagine what could be accomplished in and through this church in our city and world if we let go of childish ways and grew up into being the kind of authentic community shaped by that same love that made us into a community to begin with? Imagine the kind of stereotypes and, and kind of mischaracterization, mischaracterizations of Jesus and the church that, that, that would be destroyed and shut down, that people are just kind of like, oh, Christians are like that, church is like that. Imagine how they'd be just shut down and destroyed when people saw the kind of authentic community that was taking place here. Imagine uh, the, the hidden struggles with, with sin, broken relationships, mental illness that, that could be 
freely shared and openly just said, this is where I'm at, this is what's going on, and that they then could have the balm of, of Christ's love and acceptance as well as the community's love and acceptance to brought in to bring about healing and change and transformation there if we were a community of loving authenticity like this. Man, we, we need that kind of change in order to be grown, in order to grow up in our faith because uh, as a Pastor, I remember always saying, I love this, he said, Jesus isn't interested in healing the person that you're pretending to be. He's interested in healing the real you, the authentic you, which he knows. That's the only person he's going to be working on in order to bring healing and change and transformation to. We need that kind of loving authenticity. And I, I, I want you to just imagine and dream with me what kind of change we would see in us as well as in our city and world if we could do it. Love, and, and, and not just love in general, you know, love, not, not love like we talk about tacos and morning coffee and churros. I'm talking about love that we've been exposed to and experienced firsthand from Jesus ourselves and that we saw here from our passage, love that is patient and kind, that, that keeps no record of wrongs, that bears all things, that believes all things, hopes and endures all things, love that never fails. Personally, relationally. In this community, so much change and transformation would come from love like that, that would create this authentic community. Or as Paul writes elsewhere there in Ephesians 3, may we be a community that is rooted and grounded in the love of God, that we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, to know the love of God that surpasses knowledge and to be filled with all His fullness. That we could be a community that is formed by authentic love and then demonstrates and lives out that authentic love with one another and the world and city around us. I know it sounds impossible. It sounds like a pipe dream, like, ah, that, that sounds nice. It sounds too good to be true. And yet, as Paul concludes a little bit later in that same chapter in Ephesians, our hope to see this next marker truly realized is not in our own abilities. It's not in your own strength and power and willpower, but in the ability of him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. So then I say with Paul, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. God help us to do it.